I'm Meg Dahl, your Unbreakable host. Welcome to the show. Hey everyone, and welcome back to a brand new episode of the Unbreakable You podcast. Now, I am in my office for the first time in like over two weeks, so I'm really excited to be back home in one of my favorite places. I don't know, I just absolutely love being in my office, especially on a day like today. So it's like winter wonderland here in Saskatchewan. So I am just cozied up with a homemade hot chocolate. And here's a tip. I use Primal Palette spices. You need some Primal Palette spices if you don't have them yet. My friends, Bill and Haley, make the best spice blends ever. And since it's like pumpkin season, they have this amazing pumpkin spice blend. And I've been making a hot chocolate and blending in that pumpkin spice blend. Oh my gosh, so good. This is, so I don't drink coffee. And this is my like replacement for coffee. I've been hanging out with my friends for the past two weeks in Ontario and I get really like jealous of people that are enjoying a nice warm cup of coffee. I love tea but it's just like not the same. So anyways I replaced that with my homemade hot chocolate. Anyways this week we have Michael Leadham on the show and I'm so excited to kind of change up the conversation with you this week. So we talk a lot about like women's health and eating disorder recovery, mental strength, emotional intelligence, all of those really like mindset things that I love talking about. But today I have Michael Liedem on to talk about leadership. Now, one thing I love about my podcast is it's about becoming unbreakable. So I can really talk to anyone I want about something that allows us to be even more unbreakable than we already are, which is exactly why I have Michael on the show with us today. And so I actually spent some time, I was staying at Michael's house in San Diego back in March, him and like his wife and I are really good friends, Alicia Leadham. So we were staying at his at their place in March when Alicia and I were attending the doTERRA leadership conference. And he was telling me that he was writing a book about leadership. And I just thought that would be an incredible topic to have on the podcast and that everyone could benefit from learning from him. So I'm really excited for you to listen to this chat I have with Michael today. It's awesome whether you are involved in leadership or not, um, like professionally. 
And for me personally, I lead a team of amazing women and I'm really, really interested in developing that leadership muscle of mine. So I loved this conversation with Michael, but like I said, whether you're involved in leadership or not, you'll love what Michael has to say. And he just, he's very wise for his age. And I'm so proud of him and his upcoming book. So we talk about his book a little bit. You can pre-order it on his website, catchingleadership.com. So I have all of the links written out for you in the show notes of this episode. So if you need any links to reach Michael and his work, check out the show notes. But his book does come out in January, which is crazy. That's like two months away. So if you pre-order his book now, you'll, you won't have to wait that long. I'm so excited. This book will definitely be one of my reads for 2020, which reminds me, I have some major reading to do. Um, I set this goal for myself back in January to read 12 books this year. So one per month. And let me tell you, that goal's not going so great. Um, So maybe now that it's like all snowy and cold outside and I basically don't go outside anymore, I'll just be reading. So I'll keep you updated on that, but let's head over to this conversation with Michael. Hey, Michael, welcome to the show. So just to give the ladies listening today, which by the way, you're one of the very few male guests, I just have to say, I think at this point, you might be like the third male guest. I feel very honored and privileged then. (laughs) Hey, Scott has not even joined me on the show yet. I've been telling everyone who listens to the show that Scott will join me someday. And we attempted, but he, I don't know if you've ever watched Friends, but he literally became Chandler Bing and he couldn't say anything. And I was like, Scott, when do you have nothing to say? So that was delete and move on. So welcome to the show. (laughs) Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I I really do feel honored to be here. So thank you. Yeah, of course. I am so excited to have you on the show with me today. So everyone, this is Michael Leadham. And why don't you introduce yourself to us, Michael? Would love to. So, hi everyone. Uh, like Mike said, my name is Michael Leadham, and I am a brand new entrepreneur. So it's a pretty exciting time in my life. My background is in industrial organizational psychology, and I've been a consultant and a coach for the last eight years out in the corporate grind. And I've learned a lot, and I've worked with some really interesting people. And now I'm ready to kind of share what I've learned in my own way by launching my business and writing a new book. Yeah. So I was in San Diego with you back in March and you were telling me about your book. And as soon as you were walking me through your approach to leadership and your understanding of it, that's when I was like, okay, you need to be on my show. And it's going to be a different conversation than what we usually have, but 
my show is all about like tools and just becoming unbreakable or offering my audience tools on how to be even more unbreakable versions of themselves. And I think understanding what leadership is and how to really embody that in your life. And I know I have a lot of entrepreneurs listening to the show as well. So the tools that you give us today are definitely going to allow us to become more unbreakable versions of ourselves. So I'm really excited for you to share your approach to leadership with everyone today. So before we get into that, why don't you give everyone a little bit of an idea of your book, just like how you introduced it to me back in March? Yeah, I would love to. It was great getting to spend time with you back there too in San Diego. Uh, so I really have to credit kind of the launch of this to my wife, Alicia, who you're, you're good friends with too. And she's uh, well known in the spiritual world and she does awesome stuff. Uh, so it was my 30th birthday and we went up to San Marcos, which is in Southern California. And she knew that I was kind of struggling with a little bit of my own career stuff and my path, my journey, where I wanted to be and how I wanted to provide value to the world. And she knew I always wanted to write this book, but I think I had convinced myself that I couldn't do it, right? Who's going to listen to this 30-year-old? I don't have any gray hair, you know, and so, so often in leadership development or executive coaching, you're looking for like a silver fox, right? That, that you want to, uh, to lead you. But she just said, she says, Michael, I think you're ready. I think you can do this. She gave me that initial nudge. So that night I outlined my leadership model that I'm getting trademarked and I just got notification that it's going to publication. So it is called the catch and release model. So for any of you who are anglers or, or fishermen out there, you may be familiar with catch and release and what that means when you're out fishing. And it's always been a passion of mine, uh, a fun fact is that uh, back in college, the University of Iowa, I was on the University of Iowa bass fishing team. So we used to compete and travel around, but that's for a different episode, a different story <laughs> altogether. I just got to give you a little bit of context of who's this crazy guy talking about fishing and leadership development. But all the time when I was outside connecting and fishing, I learned so much from unplugging, from being adaptable, you know, what are the fish biting on today? What's happening in the weather uh, when you get frustrated and you don't catch anything for a while? And I started to draw these parallels. I said, wow, a lot of leadership development uh, is, is very similar with having to be adaptable, having to get feedback from your environment, having to deal with adversity or storms or things that come unexpectedly. So back when I was in undergrad at Iowa, I talked to a professor who was a professor of sociology. And she had a class on self-help and professional development. And so the young, cocky Michael at 22 was like, ah, I don't need any of that self-help crap. That's a bunch of, you know, baloney. And now later on in my life, I'm starting to really dive into the development of myself. But then also, how can I help others be unbreakable and, and push through some of those barriers? So I remember reaching out to her and saying, hey, I have this great idea. I want to write this book about leadership and fishing and psychology. And she said, Michael, I think it's a great idea, but can I offer you a little bit of advice? And I said, okay, uh, yeah. <laughs> she goes, I think you should go get your credentials first and get some experience. So it was kind of a punch to the gut because I was all excited and ready, but she was totally right. So here we are 10 years later. I've had some experience out in the real world. I've seen what leaders deal with. 
I've started kind of my own mindfulness uh, practice, a lot of leveraging what Alicia, my wife does, seeing the importance of releasing what you need to release. And I've also just got better at writing and connecting to an audience and those communication skills that you don't just have at 22 or most people don't. And now at 32, I feel like I have. So you fast forward to 30, my 30th birthday, Alicia giving me that nudge and now being 32 the last two years, I've spent a lot of weekends, a lot of evenings having to say no to people to really get my passion and my vision down in this book. So the premise of the book uh, the way that I started out, I talk about why things are different now today, right? What, what's different about leadership today? Some things are still the same. If you think back to, you know, primal times of leaders having to show courage and take risks and build relationships across tribes, some of those things still exist today, right? But there's a lot of things that are different too. When you think about disruption, when you think about the distractions, when you think about what leaders are asked to do, the different generations they have to work with, the different technologies and the different pressures they have, the speed of the game has, has cranked up quite a bit recently. So I thought to myself, how can I create a model that gets at really the core essence of what it means to be an effective leader today? And how can it be a slightly different angle to a very saturated market, which corporate leadership development is saturated. And by most, uh, most means, it's very buttoned up. It's very dry and academic, and people don't really like reading those kinds of books. So I said, why don't I take my passion of something I love in the outdoors and fishing? And by the way, you don't need to know anything about fishing to get something from this book. I just use it as a metaphor to tie everything together. How can I take a passion that I, I'm passionate about and then take all the experience out in the corporate world I have and leave someone with a different angle on leadership development. So that's what kind of started me to uh, create the catch and release model. And I can go into that more later, but that's that's a little bit of the premise of, of how everything got started. That's amazing. And honestly, I would much rather read your kind of book with like that approach than just some dry leadership book. So I'm super excited to get my hands on your book. But yeah, why don't we actually dive into your catch and release model and go into what you actually mean by that and how catching and releasing shows up in the leadership world and how that can apply to and me and the other entrepreneurs that are listening to the show today. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, something I want to touch on before I even go into the model is as you bring up entrepreneurship and me being kind of new to the game and seeing how important, you know, having a social platform and a following is, is to help people, especially entrepreneurs, understand the difference between being an influencer and being a leader. And there is a big difference between the two. So when you're an influencer, you have a big following, right? Uh, you have a platform to be a leader, but it doesn't necessarily mean you are a leader. And when I talk about leadership, I really think about it in, in kind of three different spheres, if you will. I think it's about your ability to achieve results. Like that's what comes to most people's minds right away, right? Like how much money do you make or what accolades have you received? And, and that is a part of leadership. You do have to get results, right? But I think even more other leaders, if you're a great leader, you are developing other leaders even beyond your own capabilities. 
and you're not getting triggered by the fact that maybe they're even going to be better than you because you truly care about their, their leadership and their skill set. And then the other, the third sphere is how well are you developing yourself? So this is doing that inner work that a lot of times leaders say, I just don't have time to that. I don't have time to gratitude journal. I don't have time to meditate. Like how do people do all this stuff? But you really need all three components to be an effective leader. So I think I, I challenge people when they think about their own platform and their followers, and we, we all love metrics, right? I'm successful if I have 10,000 followers or a million dollars in revenue this year. And it's good to have metrics in your life, but they don't always tell the whole story. So I think it's more about focusing your leadership and what's the value you're adding? What's the rippling impact that you can have by taking the time to build up other leaders? Having a uh, Instagram account of, you know, bulldogs on skateboards that has 100,000 followers, that's great. You can maybe give someone a smile, you know, for the day or you can uh, inject some humor. But if Instagram was to just go away, what was your legacy versus spending time on actually connecting with people, helping them grow, giving them feedback? Now you're impacting not only what they do at work, but their personal lives. And you might be able to influence even the leaders that they then go on and develop. So I always like to call out those kind of two different things. And I think it's kind of a good starting point as I go into the, the catch and release model. So the catch and release model, it's C-A-T-C-H. So it's an acronym for catch and then release. So there's really six components of it total. So the first step in the catch and release model is cast your line. And really what this means is you can't catch a fish. You can't be successful in life if you don't first put yourself out there and, and cast a line. So this is all about getting into the, the foundations or the fundamental aspects of leadership. It's things like emotional intelligence, clear communication, courage, decision-making, uh, integrity. Like you have to have these things. These are staples to be an effective leader. And you got to you know, walk the walk first before you go out and talk the talk to other people. So that whole chapter and that whole section is all about building that solid foundation. Then you go into the second step, which is the A in the catch model. And that stands for attract diverse anglers. And anglers is just another word for fishermen, if you will. Uh, attract diverse anglers is all about the relationship piece of leadership. Who are you surrounding yourself with? If you've just learned how to cast your own line and you know what casting techniques you're you know, either good or bad at, maybe you're great at fly fishing or you're great at bass fishing, use the analogy through leadership. You have great leadership skills and communication, but maybe you aren't the most courageous person. Who do you surround in your boat when you're attracting diverse anglers to learn from, but also to then teach your own skills? So this is really challenging our own labels and our own beliefs and saying, I need to put myself around other people who are A, motivated to lead, but B, don't think just like me because you're not really going to gain much from them if they think just like you. And you're not going to be able to provide them the type of feedback and coaching that would really benefit them. So that's what the A stands for. The T then goes into tie their knot. So you've brought these new leaders on your boat. They're really hungry to go out fishing, to go be great leaders out in the world. And they don't really know how to get started. And what's difficult for a lot of leaders is if I'm used to that, those results I was talking about earlier, if I'm used to catching big fish or making big sales, man, there's a level of cognitive dissonance now when I set down my pole and I have to spend time tying their knot so that they can get in the game too. 
because a lot of times when it comes to leadership, people don't want to adequately onboard people, for instance. It feels painful. When I say cognitive dissonance, I mean, it's that mental pain that you feel when you're like, oh, it'd be so much easier if I could just do this myself. But if you're really strategic about it and you're thinking about the long-term impact, you have to set people up for success. You have to tie their knots so that they can get in the game and start fishing themselves. So that's the T. Then we move into the C. The C stands for coach their cast. You've tied their knot. And a lot of times I've seen this out in the corporate world with leaders. They say, well, wait, I did. I onboarded that person. I, I did what I was supposed to do. I checked the box on that. What do you mean? Like I, I need to continue to coach them or develop them? Well, at the end of the day, that's what all people need, right? They need that ongoing support. They need that ongoing feedback. And so that C is really about coaching their own skill set. And a lot of times leaders like to coach their skill set and project that onto other people. But that's not the case because the way they cast their line might be slightly different than the way that I cast my line. As a good coach, I need to recognize that I'm successful when I can maximize the way that they cast their own line or the way that they maximize their own skill set. Then we get into the H, which stands for honor their catch. You spent all this time tying their knot. You've coached their cast along the way. Now they're successful. They're out there maybe even producing greater results than you are. As a leader, are you okay with that? Are you okay with saying and giving them the recognition and the praise without feeling triggered and say, wait a second, I was the one who tied their knot. Wait, I was the one who coached them the whole time. So it's about humility. It's about vicarious happiness, truly enjoying and being happy. And the way that I see this play out too, a lot of times in social media is you have a lot of times people are doing this mindless scrolling and they're getting triggered by these things. Instead of feeling that angst in, in your stomach, why not just give them a like, be happy for them. Now you've just removed this negativity from your life and you're truly celebrating the successes of others. So that's all the catch model. That's kind of a mouthful to, to start with, but it is uh, very uh, paramount to effective leadership. But my favorite part of the entire book is the release. And it comes at the end and it is all about how do you let go of all of the baggage, all of the hurt, all of the unserving thoughts throughout your life that don't serve you to be an effective leader. And sometimes the, the release can be a mental release. So it can be letting go of, of these labels as such. But sometimes it can be a physical release too. And I, I often think of like actually physically releasing the fish back into the water. It just taught you something about the environment. You just had a great experience. It's hopefully you, you captured it with a picture and you just put it on your Instagram account. You're going to let that fish go back out and, and swim into the world. You've already kind of harvested that, that thing that you needed from them. Are you okay with releasing that back? Well, it's the same thing with people. And a lot of times leaders don't want to let go of their best people because, oh, they're on my team. They really help me. They serve this function. If you're a great leader, you're okay releasing people when they're ready to go out into the world and experience bigger challenges. So it's a mental release and it's also a physical release. And the model is cyclical in the fact that you go through the catch and release. And after you've released whatever it was that you needed to, you go back to the dock and you go back to casting your line again. What did I just learn from this whole process? What am I good at? What am I not so good at? Next time I get in my boat, the boat might get, it might've been a canoe when I started, but now it's this large uh, vessel that I have 50 people I lead now. But all of these steps along the way are still the same and still very, very fundamental to being an effective leader. Amazing. So while you were walking us through that whole process, I was thinking of 
so many different ways, like it applied to my life in all of those different sections. And then once we got to the release and we, I just heard you keep saying leader. And I want to clarify for our audience, because I feel like a lot of people who are leaders, they don't really realize that they are in fact a leader. They're not giving themselves that credit for being a leader, right? So could you maybe like talk about what a leader would look like or some different examples of leaders and who this can apply to? Yeah, I'd love to. I love this point. Uh, I think that a lot of times we think that a leader is, is entitled, right? It's I'm the CEO of something. Or I'm the president of something. The title is really pretty insignificant when you think about real leadership. Leadership can be demonstrated by anyone on the planet. It first takes the recognition to know that you have the opportunity to be a leader, to your point, but there isn't one mold of leadership. And that's something that I really hope that comes through in my book is that my type of leadership might look very different than yours the steps that we need to go to develop and reflect and continue to grow, those might be the same, but absolutely anyone can be a leader. You don't even need a a corporate setting. It can be in your community. It can be in your online uh, community. It can be anywhere, but really it comes down to doing those things that are going to have a huge value impact on others, uh, showing the emotional intelligence to be aware of the situation and how you can best leverage your skill sets and your values to help others grow. I think that everyone has the opportunity to be a leader. And I wish that if there are already people who are listening right now who think I'm not a leader, I've known I've never been a leader. I don't like public speaking. I'm not courageous. I'm really shy. Understand that there are different avenues to be an effective leader. And you can demonstrate some of those leadership behaviors, regardless of your title, regardless of your bank account, if you're willing to focus on those three things that I talked about at the beginning. What results or what impact can you have? How are you developing others? And how are you continuously developing yourself? Yes. And also that, you know, when we're like, surrounding ourselves with other leaders and like tying their knot and, you know, letting them go and things like that. It's, I mean, I have two different aspects of my business. I have a lot of different aspects actually, but you know, I work with women and help them launch their own businesses and actually be like, do the same things that I do, but I work with clients as well. And we address their health goals, but They're also like we in both situations, we're going through your catch and release model, right? Because I'm just developing them in different ways. And in each scenario, the woman is still walking away as her own leader, right? Absolutely. And that is so critically important that there are elements of leadership that you'd expect all leaders to show, but it will look different. And the last thing that you want to do is not be an authentic leader. And the way that you become uh, you know, an inauthentic leader is by trying to fit a mold that doesn't feel in alignment with you. 
So make sure you're authentic with your, your natural self and your intuition. That doesn't mean not doing things that make you uncomfortable. Every great leader is going to have to do things that make them uncomfortable to, to stretch and to grow. But don't try and fake it, a type of leadership that doesn't feel natural, because people will pick up on that and they won't want to follow you and you won't have the type of influence that you want to have. So really do that inner work, that developing yourself piece of this by reflecting, by meditating, by listening to the feedback that people have given you throughout your life, knowing what your strengths and development areas are. And, and on that note, it's something I forgot about on the, the catch and release model is I knew that to make this book different, that I need to provide additional value right off, right off the bat, right? And so I really like strengths finders and I think that's a great tool. And, um, I know doTERRA uh, uses that with a lot of their leaders and I've taken it too. So I wanted to provide something similar that people could take what I'm calling the catch and release leadership index, the Carly for short. I've joked that she's like my second wife because I've spent so much time you know, going through the statistics and knocking out the bad items. But really what this is, it's a 120 item assessment. And it will give you a score when you're done taking it on those six dimensions of the catch and release. So you're going to kind of know where you're low, medium, and high at. And as you read the book and as you're working on yourself, you know better how to leverage your strengths in those dimensions. And then you know what areas you know you need to continue to work on. And that could look in a million different ways. It might be uh, you know going onto YouTube. It might be working with a coach. It might be doing whatever it is to help you in those areas. But I thought it was so important for me to not just have a theory of what I think great leadership is, because you ask a million people and you'll get a million theories on what great leadership is. To also have a sound assessment to back it up and to be collecting data and then to be able to provide some value added right off the gate so that they are now really intrigued and in getting something before they even open up that first piece of the book. That's awesome. Yeah. I remember you telling me about the Carly assessment. So that's awesome. And also I think you and I were comparing our top five strengths. I don't have mine in front of me right now, but from what I remember, ours were incredibly similar. <laughs> yeah. Four of, four of five of mine are in the relationship building yeah. uh, category. And then the other one was futuristic. So it, I love it because relationship building is such an important part of leadership and a, an important part of entrepreneurship. Uh, but it's also, it kind of made me think like, oh man, maybe is that like, are they all too clustered right there? So it, it provoked good thought in me. And that's what every good assessment should do. Never take everything as like 100% truth that it defines you and what you can be. It is one data point that can help you better understand your world. And that's the same thing with the car lead. I've sampled it out to 115 liters so far. So I need to collect more data and continue to refine it, the tool and the instrument. But I really hope that people can leverage the goodness that comes from it and not use it in a way that says, oh, crap, I really suck at attracting diverse anglers and I suck at tying their knot. Maybe I'm not cut out for leadership. Not the case at all. It's just giving you a little bit of indication of where you could potentially grow and where you're strong at. But I love those types of things. And I've seen in my leadership practice and consulting that employees love that stuff because it's easy for people to go on, you know, here and talk about leadership and here's what you should do, but you want to feel individualized. And at the end of the day, every leader is themselves, like we were talking about earlier. So you want to find those data points that tell your picture, but then it's ultimately what do you do with it? 
What do you go to do to leverage that data in a productive way? And sitting there ruminating about it and saying how inadequate you are is not productive. So I just have to give that caveat with uh, the Carly is that it's a development tool. I hope you get some value out of it when you do take it, but do not let it define you and your journey. Use it as a source of goodness and not something that pulls you down. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I know my girls love those types of assessments. I did a whole podcast episode just a couple of weeks ago, all about, you know, like the, all the different assessment tools that you can take. I'm super into Enneagram. I'm not sure if you know your Enneagram type. Do you? I have not taken it. So full transparency, ah. I have to take my brother loves it. And I'm like, I need to take it. I haven't taken it yet, but I'm looking forward to it. And that's the biggest thing too, is like, you have to practice what you preach and you have to continue to develop. And even me as a leader, I am going through that myself too. I've partnered with coaches in the past and I've taken all sorts of different assessments too, because I don't have all the answers and I hope people know that, but my role is not to provide them with all the answers. A lot of the answers reside within themselves. I'm just here to help unlock those within them. Yeah. So now that we are on self-development, which by the way, I definitely do encourage you and Alicia to do the Enneagram. Maybe Alicia already has done it. I haven't chatted with her about it, but um, yeah, I mean, it's been huge in my like personal life, but also knowing Scott's Enneagram type it just made so much sense of so many different things and has really helped us out. So in your own life, since you haven't done the Enneagram yet, what are some key things for you that have really allowed you to up-level your leadership and just become a better version of yourself in that leadership aspect? What are some like key things that you have found I'm going to get to that because that is an excellent question and it deserves some time. Uh, I do want to talk though about the difference in in some of these assessments that I feel like this doesn't get talked about enough and it's really important for you and and your audience to know. So when it comes to leadership development, there's a difference between personality assessments and skills-based or strength-based assessment. And the Carly is more of a skills-based, strength-based assessment, meaning that you can move the needle on those things over time. If you partner with a coach, you work on yourself, you attend some trainings, you can expect those numbers to go up because you're developing new skill sets and new knowledge in there. When it comes to the personality side of things, when you're an extrovert versus an introvert, things like that, they remain relatively stable over time. So the important thing is that you need to know your assessment, what you're taking up front, make sure that it's a good, reliable and valid tool. That's really important. That's me putting on my IO psychology hat again and making sure it's backed in science. But the other piece of it too, is like, know what you can control and what you can't control. And if there's certain things about yourself, Meg or Scott, that are just part of your personality, you just learn how to work better with that individual, but you don't try and change them because that's just going to cause more fighting and, and whatnot. When it comes to skills-based, though, you can change those things. So anyway, I just had to call that out, too, because I think it's a very important distinction. No, I'm happy you did, because there is such a huge difference, right? And just kind of, I know you don't know much about Enneagram, but with the Enneagram, you are just one number, and you've been that number forever. And then, and you'll always be that number, but you have these two wings. And so I'm like a four wing five, which means like my 
wing three is less strong. So for me to be more balanced, I would like work on those three qualities. You know what I'm saying? So anyways, it's really good that you pointed that out because with your assessment, you can work on those things and improve yourself. Exactly. Exactly. And I needed to create it that way because it doesn't do any good to try and again, create a mold of what leadership is and say, try and fit this mold if it's not authentic to their natural personality. So cool. Uh, back to your question though, cause you're asking about how do people, uh, become a leader? How do they develop? What are some of the things that have helped me and that they could also, uh, do themselves. So one thing that I've heard, and I don't say this like in an arrogant way, I'm just trying to be transparent, share it with you. I get this a lot. They say, Michael, you're wise beyond your years. How do you know some of this stuff? I'll tell you, it's not from like locking myself in a room and just reading books all the time. Although reading is great. Please read my book. <laughs> uh, but it's about really being able to listen to other people, which I think is the most underrated leadership skill that there is. Silencing the own thoughts and the own solutions that you think in your head and really listening to what are they trying to tell me and what is that silver lining or that opportunity that I can then leverage and apply in my own life. There's this saying, and, and I write about it in the book, and I, I've modified it to make it more politically correct. So it says that a, a smart person instead of man, a smart person learns from their own mistakes, but a wise person learns from the mistakes of others. And if you think about that, you don't have to make the same mistakes, whether you're an entrepreneur, whether you're a leader in an organization, no matter what you do, if you're willing to listen and able to apply some of those lessons into your own life, it will accelerate your own development. So hands down, the biggest thing you can do is work on your listening skills and trying to extract those meaningful, meaningful uh, areas that you're hearing from people that will increase your leadership development. I like that. I am um, interrupting right now because I just think this is important because when we think of like leaders, at least in my head, it's like when you think of a leader, it's like, oh, I need to, you know, say important things or teach people important things. But I love that you said the most important thing about being a leader is being able to listen. It's not about saying or doing. It's not like the action. It's the listening. Skills. That's so spot on because yeah. in our mind, we think of leadership as giving this this speech in front of 100,000 people and motivating all these things. And that is an element of leadership. It is important to have good reason. Absolutely. But that is such a small fraction of what leadership really is. So a lot of times, if you look around the room, the person who is not speaking the most is usually the person who has the most wisdom and they're just letting things kind of unfold. And they're like, hmm, interesting. I either agree or disagree with that point, but I don't feel compelled to say anything because I'm still sitting here listening to try to fully understand what can I extract from this. And then when I do get the opportunity to speak up, people, will listen to me because it will be on point. It will have considered other people's perspectives and I haven't been talking the whole time. So listening is just so important and it takes a lot of things. It's more than just turning off your brain and and letting some of the distractions go. 
It takes emotional intelligence. It takes empathy. You have to pick up on the emotional cues of others. Are they bored with, with what they're saying? Are they excited? Are they hurt? Whatever that might be. Good leaders can pick up on those cues relatively quickly, and then they can adapt their messaging so that it falls on the audience the way that they want to hear it. And that can really, really help them. Mm-hmm. Well, clearly you're very good at what you do and listening because you're speaking right to my audience and you usually work in like corporate settings, right? So I do have a question for you there. Being in like the corporate world and that type of setting, what were some of the biggest takeaways for you there? Because I know you just left that world and you're starting your own consulting business or you have started it. So what were some of the biggest takeaways for you in that whole other world? Such a good question. Um, And I could go a million ways with it, but I'll, I'll try and be as concise as I can be with it. I felt like I had to go into the belly of the beast, right? Because it's one thing to just go preach and say, here's what needs to change in the world. It's another thing to go in there, truly listen and fully understand the challenges that that leaders are facing. There is a big difference between kind of being in the corporate world uh, and some of the pressures that they face in terms of the processes, the systems, the, the language, all of that stuff that you do need to know to have credibility you do need to care, right? To be a good leadership coach and consultant in the corporate world, you have to care. And I kind of call that the humanistic side of things. So that level of caring is good. But if you can't talk shop, at least to a little bit of a degree with them, they're going to say, well, you're just this softy feel good person. You know, how can you actually help me with the business strategy in my day to day? So I I had to to gather that um, in the corporate setting. Now that I'm transitioning out into more of the entrepreneurial setting, I still will be working with corporations but I've removed something that was holding me back, which was not making me unbreakable. And that was the rigor and the structure and a lot of the internal politics and bureaucracy that I was facing in my role as a consultant for a very large consulting firm. And I just knew I couldn't show up and be my best there because there were certain things throughout my day that I didn't see the value add. I didn't think we were changing fast enough. I didn't think we were really listening to what our clients were asking for because we'd always done it that way. And that's the way we always will do it. So I had to kind of make a decision a few years back, probably about a year and a half ago. And I said, all right, Michael, do what you need to do right now to gain the experience so that when you do become an entrepreneur, you know what you're talking about and you can provide value and you can relate and connect with people. But not having that end goal in mind would have absolutely killed me. I say this half joking, but half serious. Like this book is saving my life because it is sparking a passion inside of me that I haven't felt in a very, very long time. And when you have purpose-driven work and you feel that alignment, you can then let go of what other people are going to say or care about it because you know that it is your truth and you're getting your truth out there. If I didn't have that longer-term vision and I was just in corporate America, I would be stressed out. There were times where I was uh, having burnout. I was having you know, health issues, wasn't sleeping well at night. My diet wasn't great. It's the classic signs of people who just grind and grind and grind in the corporate world. And it's not to say that entrepreneurship is for everyone. I understand that, right? Like maybe there is that perfect role in, in the corporate world. There are a lot of fascinating jobs out there. And I think we have to be careful about just throwing this blanket of 
of saying it's a dichotomy between corporate and entrepreneurship because a lot of people can find a lot of joy and fulfillment in, in the corporate world. It, it's fascinating some of the changes and challenges that are going on in the world. But for me, I had to, to make that change. Now, the beauty of all of this is I get to leverage my beautiful wife's learnings from entrepreneurship over the last few years. So when it came to getting up my website, when it came to some of the early challenges you have as like invoicing and bookkeeping and building an audience and all that, I was able again to listen to the knowledge that she had to accelerate my own growth and development. So I really see myself as kind of the trying to be the best of both worlds where I'm walking the walk now as an entrepreneur and I'm able to relate to other business owners, but I've also been in the belly of the beast with corporate and I know what effective strategies look like, what will and what won't work in corporate settings. And a lot of it comes down to their culture and what's worked well in the past and what hasn't. And what are those issues that they're really trying to solve for? Because a lot of times people in the corporate setting will want to throw training, right? Let's bring Michael in. We'll give some leadership training. All of our problems will be solved. It's much more systemic than that. And you need to have a strategic mindset. So that's probably a long-winded answer to, to the question that you asked, but that's kind of the, the back and forth in the way that at least I think about it. Yeah, no, that was awesome. Honestly, I could, I have like a million more questions for you, truthfully. So I know you'll probably be on the show again. And there was just so many takeaways from everything that you shared with us already, but we are coming to the end of the show, unfortunately. So I do have one last question for you that I ask all of my guests, and that is, what does it mean to you to be unbreakable? Ooh, I would say if I had to sum it up into one word, it would be being vulnerable because you have to be willing to fail. You have to be willing to learn and you have to be willing to apply all of that. And once you're able to do that and show up, then you become unbreakable because nothing can stop you once you've let go of all that baggage and you've released all of those things that you need to. So that's my short end answer to that. Hey, that's awesome. It doesn't have to be a long answer, but that was so great. And I always love listening to my guests like different answers. There's been over 70 of them already. So thank you so much. And like we said, you have a book website, all the things. So where can we find you on social media and grab your book, learn more from you? Yes. Yes. So the website uh, that, that Alicia helped me with is www.catchingleadership.com. So pretty easy to remember. It's also the name of the book, Catching Leadership, which you'll be able to uh, purchase on Amazon in January. That's the target launch date. So it's all coming together. I'm working with the editor right now. So visit the website. On the website, there's links to the social media accounts, but I'll just give them to you right now too. Uh, on LinkedIn, it's just my name. For any of those who have kind of more of the corporate setting, just look up Michael Leadham, Talent Management Consulting Leadership Coach. When it comes to Instagram, I'm at Catching Leadership. When it comes to Facebook, I have a closed group that's a kind of invite only. You have to be accepted into it. Just search Catching Leadership. We have good discussions. I give updates on the book writing process. I know a lot of people are interested in that too. This book has taught me more about leadership than probably any of the conversations I've had of rallying the troops and, and learning how to craft my message. And that's a very fun and, and engaging group as well. I just opened up a Twitter account too. So I'm getting used to the, the Twitter universe. Uh, that's just at Catching Leaders. 
So if you type in catching leadership, you should be able to find my stuff pretty much on any uh, social media platform. Awesome. And I'm so happy you brought that up. P.S. I will have everything linked up in the show notes. But one thought that I kept getting while we were chatting is, wow, your leadership muscle must have been so strengthened, like during the whole book writing process. It's insane, right? Yep. Yes. Talk about accelerating your growth. Well, it's not even just sitting down and doing the work because you do have to put the words on the page. It's working with a graphic designer. I have illustrations there. I'm working with my brother. It's working with multiple reviewers and editor. It's working with Alicia and bouncing ideas off her, getting the website up. So it's like you're rallying around this huge project and this launch that is forcing you to practice what you preach in the book without even mentioning how do you get all your ideas down on paper in a concise and consolidated way, which is a challenge in and of itself too. Yeah. You're doing awesome things and I cannot wait for the book in January. That's so awesome. But um, can we like pre-order it on Amazon? You can. So uh, if you go to the website, catchingleadership.com, there is a tab on there that's the book tab. So it'll give you kind of the synopsis about the author, et cetera. And then you can click a button that says, sign me up on the the pre-order list. And once it's ready to go live, you'll get an email that says, hey, Catching Leadership is live. And then you can go purchase it on Amazon. Awesome. Sounds like it will be one of my books for 2020. I want your honest feedback on it too, because there will likely be more than one edition. That's the other thing of this perfectionist thing being like, Michael, when is good enough? Good enough. I feel like it provides a lot of value right now, but I know that there'll be a second or a third edition. So I just have to get something out there that I feel really proud of right now. Awesome, Michael. We'll have you on the show again. And thank you for sharing all of your knowledge with us. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Really appreciate it, Meg.